Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And today our special guest is Walt Heyer. He lived as a transgender woman for eight years and actually had reassignment surgery back in 1983, has since detransitioned and has spent years now trying to help other people who have struggled with gender dysphoria and really help them get back to who they really are. And so, Walt, once again, thanks again for joining us this morning. Yeah, my pleasure. Glad to be on. And, uh, you know, before we get started into your story, can you just uh, let people know about your website and so that are people who need more resources or who may be even struggling with gender identity uh, know where to go? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, SexChangeRegret.com is just a great resource. There's uh, several different tabs that allow you to browse through the site and pick up the kind of material you want. There's even a bookstore that has my six books available a transgender or, or have a family member, you can learn a great deal there at that website. And I've been on it, so I can attest it really is a valuable website. So I would uh, suggest people look at sexchangeregret.com just to get more information and really better educate yourselves on, on the issue that we're talking about. And so, Walt, can you kind of give us uh, you know, a, a thumbnail sketch of your story? Yeah. Well, you know, it started when I was uh, four years old. And this was in uh, 1944. So it was before gender dysphoria was ever a term. It was before the word transgender was ever, uh, you know, spoken in society. Uh, but what it does tell us is something quite interesting, is that when my grandmother cross-dressed me and affirmed me and told me how cute I looked, is how that event planted the seed of confusion. You can call it whatever you want. Gender dysphoria is just a, a term for, it's the opposite of euphoria. So it's just really a term for gender depression. Um, and so uh, when you plant that seed of confusion in the young mind of a four, five, six, seven, 10, 11 year old child, you're sending them into this abyss of gender confusion, and that's where I went and struggled to figure out uh, who I was without any resources back in the 40s, 50s, and all the way up into the 80s, I ended up seeing what they called was a specialist uh, in transgender identities. Well, specialists in transgender identity it will tell you that the only thing they're going to see in you is a transgender. They don't have any skill whatsoever at identifying underlying comorbid disorders uh, or any kind of uh, events that may have happened in your life to, that caused you to have this difficulty that really this whole idea comes out of people having the idea they can change genders when in fact that's false. Right. It is categorically impossible to change your gender. So it becomes sort of a Halloween, elaborate Halloween costume with surgery and hormones. Anytime people engage in this, and I know because I've done it and I've spoken to literally hundreds, probably thousands of people who have uh, gone through this process and attempted to identify as a different gender. And we do so because we were hurt uh, or because something uh, occurred in our life that caused us to not like who we are. Or we were affirmed and confused by someone who said that we can just select another gender. And so with this uh, idea, people's lives are just being torn to shreds. And every single day, 
I get an, an email from somebody. I got one late last night from somebody who was a female, changed to a male. And, and so she's writing me a desperate need help um, and had been to, on hormones for six years, had transitioned surgically top and bottom five years ago. Now wants me to locate a surgeon for this young lady who was trying to be a man to remove the fake uh, phalloplasty or male gender looking right. uh, anatomy. And so, um, you know, here we are with, this is the consequence that this idea that you can change genders ends up with. And, and that's why we have, you know, they're 19 times more likely to commit suicide after they identify as a different person. Um, we know that, uh, you know, Five to 15 years later, they will have regret. Not all of them will detransition, but they will regret having done it. So um, this is what happens when you go against uh, God's design of man and woman. And they're, they're, by the way, there's only two genders, uh, male and female. Uh, you know, I was just reading something this morning where it said there's boys and girls and there's a lot of fun stuff in between. Well, no, there isn't. No, there's what there is is despair in between, right? And that's kind of what you were talking about. That's exactly right. And you know, you were talking about your story, you know, about how you were dressed up as, you know, as a girl at the age 4, but you also were sexually abused later on, right? Well, yeah, and that's the interesting component because had it not been for being cross-dressed, I never would have been sexually abused because it was the the knowledge that my uncle had that I had cross-dressed that made me a target for the right. sexual abuse. So I think it's so instructive for us to understand that we're leading children, especially, into harm's way by giving them this idea that they can just go out there and be any gender they want. But they're placing themselves in danger uh, psychologically, emotionally, socially, and uh, it's not going to work for them uh, for a lifetime. It's just going to be a temporary ideology, and they're going to some, at some point realize it was a mistake, and hopefully they'll be able to find somebody who can help them. If they don't, they will commit suicide. Well, and, you know, we just held a conference here not too long ago about being made male and female, and one of the questions I got was, what does this have to do with respect life? Well, you know, when you're chemically castrating children and – you're eliminating the opportunity for them to ever partake in, in the gift of life later on through a child. Well, that's exactly right. And that's, and that's some of the emails I get. I went, you know, they did this orchiotomy, which is the removal of the testicles when I was, you know, 17 years old. Now I don't want this anymore. I'm 25. I want to get married. I can't have children. Uh, this idea can totally ruined my future opportunity to be married and have children. Well, and the sad part is, you know, everybody went along with it. Now, when you went through this, this you, this was, you know, way before, you know, the craze that we're in now. But even right. then, you know, you said you uh, transitioned, I think it was back in 83. Did you get any right. opposition? Did anybody say, hey, <laughs> you better not do this. This is really going to be bad for you in the future. No, and, and you know, that's what motivates me to have the website Sex Change Regret now because there was nothing out there. There were no opposition. No, everybody just kind of looked at me like a blank stare because in 1983 it was literally unheard of 
in most circles, and everybody just thought I was nuts. Of course, I was, but um, I didn't know why I was nuts. And and the the specialist will just lead you down the primrose path and and guide you toward the surgery and hormones, which they did with the very first meeting, which is typical today as well. And so um, there is no and and here's the here's the real interesting thing: the the drugs they're using as hormone blockers for children are not even made for that purpose. Right. Uh, they're they're using um, off drugs for something they weren't intended. To. It really shouldn't even be used at all. Well, they're using children as guinea pigs, right? There's no medical studies for what they're doing anyway, right? I mean, in the yeah. end, who knows what's going to end up happening? Well, we know what's going to end up happening. It's going to be what you talked about, suicidal ideology, just great despair and great regret. Yeah, and, and so this to me is medical malpractice. It's child abuse. It's experimental medicine. And it, it, that's at the least, but it's really doing a great deal of harm. And we're we're going to see this much more so 5, 10, and 15 years from now, and they're all going to go, gee whiz, why did we put this in schools? What were we doing? And so um, it's how abhorrent it is at this point. Well, and I think, you know, with your story, you know, you were a successful businessman. You were doing well, but you still had these issues. You ended up transitioning back in 83. And how long was it after you transitioned that you started having that regret that you were just talking about? Well, it was when I was at UC Santa Cruz. I had determined that I was going to write my career and become a psychologist, a PhD, and have a sign hanging out saying, come and I'll help you transition. And then I started reading in the textbooks about the people who have gender identity issues also have this thing called comorbidities, which means they're suffering from psychological disorders like dissociation, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, body dysmorphia, obsessive compulsive disorder. And so when I started reading these stories, uh, clinical stories, one of them was called separation anxiety. That was the very first study, clinical study that I read about a young boy who whose mother passed away and he soon after that changed into a woman. And, and in the study, they realized that he became a woman now, this is so instructive. He became a girl or identified as a girl because he could not stand the loss of his mother. So he actually took on his mother's female identity so that he wouldn't feel like she was gone. And you would think anybody who's got a degree in psychology or psychiatry would be able to ferret that out, right? I mean, be able to say, hey, let's look at this and try to figure out why we have the issue and and. It's not happening. They're just going right along with people. Well, what they're doing is keeping the psychologist from having the opportunity to ferret that out. So they okay. block them from being able to have that discussion because they say it's against the law to talk to somebody who's gender distressed about other issues. Just to, just affirm them. So what we have is this thing where you can't dig in and find out what happened to them. Well, and, and and so they lump everything, and, and it's happened here in Colorado too, right? Everything falls under this conversion therapy umbrella so that you can't do anything, even though it's real, it's not conversion therapy. You're just trying to use therapy to help people to understand what the issues are and try to you know guide them to where they need to be, not where they want to be. 
Yeah, and, and the truth is, I've worked with hundreds of people. I don't, and myself, I don't even know anyone who's ever gone through conversion therapy, including myself. It's a, a you know, it's a boogie term. You know, it's mm-hmm. like this is the boogeyman that's going to come and get you, uh, but nobody uses it. It's, it was it was made up to be able to use in court to beat down uh, your regular psychotherapist uh, and prevent them from having the opportunity to look into the comorbidities that are causing these people, young and old, to identify as a gender they're really not. Right. And so that's, and it, and it is a problem. I think there's 18 states now that, that have these laws on the books and we know there's going to be more. So I did want to get back to you. So you you transitioned in 83. So it was what, early nineties that right. you decided that Nin- this, well, I made a mistake. Yeah. 1990. Um, I, I, after looking at that story, I realized, well, there must be something wrong with me. I didn't really change so I went on to dig into my own life and started going back to uh, the Bible and going back to uh, faith-based ideas instead of uh, LGBT-based ideas and began to then go to, uh, I went to psychotherapy, not conversion therapy, and I had a good therapist who allowed me just to talk. I I, I don't think he said a hundred words in five years, you know, uh, we just, uh, he let me talk and it sort of cleansed out my own thinking about what was going on from what I knew and and I was able to detransition back and and uh, by 1997 got married I've been married for 22 years to a lovely real woman by the way who is a graduate graduate of Berkeley no apologies there that's just one of those things <laughs> and so um so you know uh this is what we're seeing so often, and I'm working with more and more people, and it's just gratifying that we're seeing a lot of people that are able to come to me and um, are willing to talk about it and and detransition back. And so you had been married prior to transitioning and ha- and had two kids. How how have your kids uh, embraced you coming back as as their dad? Yeah, my kids really, um, really embrace that a great deal. My daughter says I'm her hero. Uh, my son, however, who's a little older, works in a larger plant, uh, has become the target of LGBT bullying uh, because of what I do. And they've, um, That's they really, yeah, I mean, they really have uh, haunted him and pestered him and bullied him and yelled at him and screamed at him at work on many many occasions and uh they're they're trying to get at me through him and uh he is uh just really disheartened by what they're doing uh to him uh, to get to me so this is what they do they're you know they talk about anti bullying they are in my view the LGBT transgender ad- advocates are the biggest bullies on earth yeah, uh, they they just come after you full force. Well, when you don't have truth on your side, right? We have logic, we have medicine, we have science. Oh, by the way, we have faith on our side. They have nothing, so they have to resort to bullying and passing laws that outlaw common sense because otherwise everything they've built's on a house of straw. That's right. That's right. So, you know, my kids will will do fine. They're just disappointed with uh what the LGBT looks like. Um, as um, as they portray themselves in 
trying to get to me. So my daughter, however, is isolated from it. Oh, well, that's good. And so, you know, if, you know, I would imagine when you were, when you had transitioned, you were probably embraced by the community. How does the community treat you for having, you know, come to the conclusion that you did and detransition back? Are you welcomed or are you ostracized? <laughs> well, oh, they just love me to death. No, that, you know. <laughs> well, but that's uh, the know, point, right? If you love somebody, you love them and you, and you walk their whole journey with them, not just when it suits you, right? Yeah, I'm not their poster child for uh, transitioning, that's for sure. So, you know, anytime you read something that they've on the other side write about me, I always tell people just read what they have written and you'll find out a whole lot more about them than you will about me because they don't ever tell the truth about me. Right. Well, because they don't want the truth out there. And in the end, if if you're not searching for the truth, you really don't have other people's best interests at heart, do you? No, you don't. And so I'm here to help people with the truth. And, and you know, when people are in despair, like the people that I get and are hurting, deeply hurting after going through this nonsense, um, they welcome the truth. They welcome the honesty and they welcome the straightforward talk. There's no more, you know, parsing words or gender pronouns or faking the fact that you can change genders. They realize that it's nonsense. In fact, many of them write and say, how do they get away with doing the surgery and giving people these harmful hormones? And it's obvious that uh, they have a lot more power on their side than apparently we do. They do. It's amazing where there's money involved, they'll find a way to do it. And, you know, money will trump really the concern about other people, although they'll they'll couch it as they do concern other people. You know, we, we uh, I ran into a, a grandmother the other day who said, who was really despairing because her, I think it was her five-year-old grandson, is being raised general, gender neutral by the parents because they want him to decide. What would you say to, to the grandmom in order to you know, what should she be doing? Well, you know, grandma should be affirming the kid as a as a boy. And the parents obviously do not want to parent the child. They just want to sort of um, let the kid do it. You know, that's just the lack of parenting. It's insanity. Um, this is going to cause the kid a great deal of harm to leave a kid hanging as to, well, just select a gender. You don't have a gender. I mean, where does that leave a person a young child in society is going to fill him with anxiety. It's going to make him depressed about who he is because he's not going to be able to figure it out until somebody tells him about it. And these are the type of individuals that we end up seeing that become alcoholic, drug addicts. They end up cutting themselves. Uh, they end up having very difficult time with relationships because how are they going to relate to somebody who does know their gender when they don't know theirs? And so we give these children all these psychological, emotional, uh, and social difficulties and then ask them to work through it as the parent doesn't seem to care that the child is suffering at all. Well, and, you know, for a kid that old, I mean, when my kids were that young, you know, they were lucky to be able to choose between Fruit Loops and cornflakes. That was about the biggest decision they were making in the course of a day. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, kids are going to follow what they see on the Internet. They're going to follow kids at school that they admire. Um, and especially when a parent is just lets go of their life and say, you know, we don't really care what that really is saying. We don't really care who you are. Uh, we don't really care about you. 
Um, it's not a very caring way to raise a child to say, uh, you know, you don't have an identity, a gender identity. And it also defies the idea that God exists and that biological facts exist um, to say that um, the child doesn't have a fixed gender when he does. Yeah, yeah, to say God makes mistakes is, uh, you know, pretty much uh, blows up the idea that there is a God. But, you know, one of the questions I have is, you know, you've worked with a lot of people now over the years with through your website and, and through your talks. Can people pinpoint when they look at their lives why they had the issue of wanting to be the opposite sex? Or is it, do they just say, you know what, I, w- I think I was just born that way. Can they identify uh, something that happened in their lives that, that caused I'm so that glad, so glad you asked that question. Over the 10 or 11 years I've been doing this, 100% of the time, each individual can identify and pinpoint the time and the event, the situation, the hurt, the pain, the loss that caused them to not want to be who they are, and they decided to be take on the identity of a transgender. And in many cases, the male who is sexually abused at a young age will remove his genitalia and identify as a female as a defense mechanism uh, for not ever being abused again. In other words, if they take their genitalia off that was abused before, then they see that as a way to defend themselves against being abused. The same way for the female who was sexually abused as a young children child, they, they will put on a phalloplasty as a way to prevent them from being sexually abused. That's just typically 30 to 50% of the cases that people who identify as transgender were sexually abused. There's another group of people who were emotionally abused or psychologically abused. And um, so we have all of these, they, they use it as a defense mechanism to not feel the pain of what happened to them regardless of what it is, it's just a way to escape uh, that pain, but it's only temporary. It doesn't last a lifetime. And if they do too much body damage and too many hormones, the reversal process is staggering and becomes uh, extremely difficult to detransition. Yeah, and so I can imagine, you know, you're you're you un- now you understand when they come to you and probably talking it out, they can identify what the problem is. I mean, I, I would imagine to a person, they probably wish somebody would have tried to talk sense into them. They may not have listened, but they probably would have appreciated somebody. Hey, let's not go full bore on this and just agree with me. Let's let's try to go to the root of the issue. I mean, they probably feel like they were, uh, you know, shafted with the people they went to see. Oh, absolutely. I'm working with a uh, lesbian transgender who's detransitioning now. And she was sexually abused as a child for five years by her father. And so, you know, when when she came to me about detransitioning, we had this discussion, you know, what happened to you that caused you to not like who you were as a child? And she mentions the sexual abuse. And I said, well, you should actually talk to your mother about this. And so when she talked to her mother about her, her mother just said, well, you know, all kids are sexually abused. It's not a big thing. I don't know why you're worried about it. Yeesh. I mean, can you imagine getting that kind of response? You're, you're, act, you're looking for the total opposite, and you get somebody who's just, yeah, hey, whatever. Well, that explains why the cho- this particular child 
opted out of being who they were. Sure. I mean, why would you want to be somebody when you have that type of early childhood difficulty and parents who are just totally disconnected from reality? Well, I think, you know, the point in this conversation, we have a couple minutes to go, is really, look, people need to stand up against this. This is really, and we've talked about it before in different uh, aspects of what we do here at Respect Life uh, Ministry here at the Archdiocese of Denver, is that we have to stand up to this. This is the emperor's new clothes, and and people are just going right along with it, and you know, you're talking about, you know, the suicide rates are almost, what, 20 times higher after uh, having yeah. transitioned. I mean, they, wait, they like, yeah. what they like to use is say, well, if you, if you don't agree with them, they're going to kill themselves beforehand, which yeah. Is, yeah. is a fallacy. Yeah, actually, what's causing them to commit suicide is the fact that they were lied to and they were filled with hormones and they had their body parts changed and altered and there's nobody there to help them. That's why they commit suicide. Well, that's why I think your ministry, what you're doing right now to be able to shed light on this, talk about it really from a position most people can't. Uh, you've, you've seen it. You've lived it. Uh, you've endured it. And, you know, you've gone through a lot of struggles. Um, I would imagine the people that come to you are probably just so relieved that somebody understands where they're coming from. Oh, absolutely. And, I, you know... And I'll get a plug-in for my book because it's an important book. My latest yes. book, Trans, Trans Life Survivors, is just a great book for anybody, whether you are transgender, know a transgender or not, for clergy, for psychologists. I had a a forensic psychiatric doctor read it and bought 300 of them to give away because he said it's one of the most important books of its time. And and I just had a pediatrician uh, doctor order 300 of them, I mean, 100 of them to give away. And so this is an important book, and um, it also helps support the ministry. So um, read it and get it. And so uh, can you remind everybody of your website again? Because that's where they can get the book, right? Yeah, sexchangeregret.com and go to the bookstore's uh, web page. Well, and also there's a parent resource guide out that the – Minnesota Family Council put out. It's www.mfc.org. You're actually quoted in here. For anyone who cares about kids and families, this parent resource guide is a must-read. And so there's another uh, tool that people can do, and they can download it for free online. But really, we have to educate ourselves to be able to speak on this issue, issue intelligently because we have the truth and the facts behind us. We shouldn't be afraid. That's exactly right. And I'm so glad you had me on so we could talk about this very important subject timely. Well, thank you, Walt. I appreciate your time and uh, our prayers are with you and your ministry. And uh, we hope, you know, more people hear what you have to say so that we can bring common sense back into this crazy world.